0: Well, good morning, everyone. I'm John Schmidt, the senior pastor here at Center Point. I want to uh, encourage us to take a fresh start, a fresh look at church today, because in your bulletins, you'll find an outline about taking a fresh start with church. A lot of us, we said when we turned the calendar page, hey, we're going to get serious about a diet, and some of us have already quit on that one. But anyway, uh, some of us have said, hey, we're going to get serious about exercise or serious about it. Last week, we talked about a relationship with God. Today, we're talking about a fresh start with church. And I want to look at this and talk about some problems that we have. One of the big reasons that we need a fresh start is some people have some really bad expectations of what church is or misunderstandings. There's also some excuses we offer and then some important contributions we need to make if we're going to have that fresh start. So That's where I'm headed today. Let me have a word of prayer and we'll jump right in. Lord, I thank you for the opportunity to be here today. I want a fresh start in 2016. and Lord, I want a fresh start with church. Father, I don't want to just um, talk about it. I want to do it. And Lord, I pray that this year you'll encourage us um, to do so. That we'll grow in our relationships with others, grow in our relationship with you, and become uh, a little closer to you each and every day. I pray that you'll speak and move me out of the way and remind us of some important understandings we need to have if we're going to make that fresh start with church. Amen. Many people need a fresh start with church. That's point one. Many people do. There are a lot of Uh, different types of people who have a problem with church. I mean, they don't want to come to church. There are three categories that come to mind pretty easily. First of all, there are some people who are just disappointed with God. They dropped out of church years ago because they're disappointed with something that God did or something they believe that God did or didn't do. They might have prayed for a promotion. They didn't get it, so I'm not going to church anymore. They might (coughs) have prayed that um, they wouldn't have to make a move across the country, and they had to make the move. I'm not going to church anymore, whatever the circumstance might be. And uh, there are people like that in the Bible, too. In fact, some very good friends of Jesus were awfully disappointed with him. Uh, this is from John chapter 11, where Jesus knew a family, two sisters and a brother, Mary Martha. Mary and Martha were the sisters. Lazarus was their brother. They were disappointed with Jesus because Lazarus became sick one day, and they were good friends of Jesus, And they had sent people out to tell him, hey, Lazarus has gotten sick. Could you come help? And Jesus didn't come. In fact, he came four days after Lazarus had died. And we pick up the action right where Mary is speaking to Jesus about this. Jesus has come into town. When Mary arrived and saw Jesus, she fell at his feet and said, Lord, if you'd only been here, my brother wouldn't have died. And then Jesus wept. The people who were standing nearby said, see how much he loved him? But some also said, ah, this man healed a blind man. Couldn't he have kept Lazarus from dying? And that's the attitude we have expressed many times for people who don't want any part of church. I'm angry with God. I mean, if there's a God in heaven, why'd he let this happen to me? Why'd he let it turn out this way? What's the deal, God? And so we drop out of church. God didn't do what I wanted. He didn't do it my way. Yet over and over again in the Bible, it's presented that and here's a life application for you and me, that we need to trust God even when we don't understand him. God asks us to trust him even when we don't understand him. It's kind of like that great theologian Garth Brooks when he said, I thank God for unanswered prayers. Anybody familiar with that song? Yeah. It's a song about how he went to some high school reunion and um, while he was there he meets a girl that he would, prayed that God would allow him to marry. Didn't work out. He ended up marrying another gal. His life turned out much better. And so he said, I thank God for unanswered prayers. Could it be that some of the things that we thought were so difficult and so poorly handled by God in 2015, could it be that God has something in store in 2016 that's much better than we ever dreamed? In Isaiah, the Lord is speaking about this. This is Isaiah 55. My thoughts are nothing like your thoughts, says the Lord, and my ways are far beyond anything you could imagine. For just as the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways, and my thoughts higher than yours. Do you know that God loves us and has wonderful plans for us, but he's not always going to explain those things to us? And sometimes when he carries out his will, it seems dead, flat, wrong, or completely crazy at the time. All the people saying, Couldn't he have kept Lazarus from dying? Yeah, he could have. The rest of that story is is that Jesus then went to the cemetery. They rolled away a stone that was covering the tomb where Lazarus was. He said, Lazarus, come out. And Lazarus was brought back to life. And more glory was brought to God through Jesus' action there than anybody could have ever imagined. It was all part of God's plan. But at the time, it's like, well, why didn't you come? Because I got something better in store. Lord, why did I have to go through this? And when we get to heaven one day, we're going to see that God had a plan that it'll just blow us out of the water. And he just asks us to trust him right now. He can't explain everything he does to us. And I hope you have comfort. I hope this gives you comfort that we're worshiping a God who thinks thoughts far ahead of ours. I mean, think if we worshiped a God that we, could, we had to explain things to him. Well, that's no God. But we worship a God who's way ahead of us. So far ahead of us, we can't even grasp it. If you're willing to worship him and accept him that way this year, would you say amen? amen? Yeah, but it's something we're going to have to commit to. Point B on your outline is this. Well, there's people who are disappointed with God. Other people are disappointed with church people. I know that's a shock. I know that's a shock. No, it's not a shock. I mean, anytime time you get around church, you're going to get around people. People are sinners. So you get around a bunch of sinful people in church, you got problems. Listen to 1 Corinthians chapter 3. See if this sounds like anybody you know. Dear brothers and sisters, when I was with you, I couldn't talk to you as I would to spiritual people. had to talk to you as though you belonged to this world, as though you were infants in the Christian life. had to feed you with milk, not solid food, because you weren't ready for anything stronger. You're jealous of one another. You quarrel with each other. Doesn't that just prove you're controlled by your sinful nature? Aren't you living like people of the world? I mean, that was written to the Christians in Corinth. You're acting like... People who don't even believe anything. And people go, well, there you go. That's why I'm not going to be in church. I'm not going to be around people like that who quarrel and bicker and are immature. And at first blush, that would sound right. Yeah, why would I want to be around that? Until, of course, we remember what church is. And that's the note in your outline. The church is God's family on earth. The church is God's family on earth. Would you say that with me, please? The church is God's family on earth. Where do I get that idea? Ephesians 1.5, as well as some other places. God decided in advance to adopt us into his own family by bringing us to himself through Jesus Christ. That's what he wanted to do. Gave him great pleasure. That's why Paul calls the people in Corinth brother and sister. We're part of the family. If you're glad to know that you're part of God's family, would you say amen? Amen. Okay, you answered way too quickly because there's some implications that come with that. Okay, these are written for you here. Let's think about this. We talk about spiritual family. Yeah, I want to be a part of a family. I'm so glad to be a part of the family of God. Oh, I love it. Well, really? Well, let's think about this, because sometimes we are totally unrealistic about this. You'll see what I mean in just a second. Family members, if I'm describing my physical family, my biological family, my immediate family, and yours, family members are at different levels of maturity, at different levels of maturity, with different personalities and views. True? True. True. My family, your family. Grandparents, parents, kids, all different ages, different maturity, different personalities. Sometimes you can't even believe we're all in the same family. Right? Well, I'm glad to be a part of the family of God, but everybody's got to think like me. Does that happen in your biological family? Heck no. Well, why am, I, why am I expecting the family of God? Well, I don't know. Is everybody at the same level of maturity in your family? Well, no, especially like a family of ours where we had six kids and a 10-year age gap between my oldest sister and myself. We're at all different levels of maturity. But that doesn't happen in the family of God. Everybody became a Christian at the same time, right? Oh, well, no. And everybody's maturing at the same speed, right? Well, oh, well, no. And everybody brought the same amount of baggage in to begin with, right? Oh, well, no. But yet, here's what we do. We come to church, somebody offends us, and we go, I can't believe that they call themselves a Christian. Huh. How can that be? Because what we do is, on one hand, we sit there and say, hey, look, everybody's at different levels of maturity. That stands to reason. And then the minute somebody insults us, the minute somebody cuts us out of something, the minute somebody's rude to us, we go, well, they're not acting like a Christian. And we say, the whole world is divided into two camps. All the people who become Christians instantly know the whole Bible backward and forward. They instantly have every addiction, every problem, and every bad habit completely cured all in one second after becoming a Christian. And all the other people who aren't Christians are evil, evil acts-murdering terrorists. And that's the whole world. Evil acts-murdering terrorists, all people who claim to be Christians, are Bible believers, know the whole thing, are completely obedient to all of it. And you go, well, John, that's not that way at all. There's all kinds of people in between. Well, yeah, then why do we get our nose out of joint when something bad happens? I'm, giving you, I'm telling you why people don't come to church. They're totally unrealistic about what's going on. Unless, of course, you just want a one-hour meeting and no problems. But that's not what church is. Sure, we meet for worship on Sundays, but that's not the end of it. That's just part of it. The church is a family. Here's the second bullet point. Family members fight, act rudely, do stupid things, say mean things, lose their tempers, and blow it. Anybody grow up in a family like that? The rest of you are liars. Put your hand up. Put your hand up. Of course they do. But it shouldn't be that way in the family of God. Because again, we're all instantly Bible believers. We all are obedient to it. None of us have any problems. All of us are perfectly mature. Wrong. We're going to blow it. So I want to tell you right now, if you're making a commitment to church, you want a fresh start in church, have a fresh start with a real church. People say, well, I don't know if I want to be a part of that. Oh, so you want to be a part of a church where people only pretend, have no problems and wear a mask. I thought everybody hated hypocrisy. I thought that was one of the reasons people don't come to church because they hate hypocrites. Well, which one is it? I mean, you can't have your cake and eat it too. I mean, you want to be involved in a real church, you're going to get real people. You want to get involved in a real small group, you're going to be involved with a group where people pray about real concerns and deal with real issues. And it does no good to go, well, I can't believe that. Believe it. Believe it. Jesus came into this world to save sinners. And we all know that. Well, that's us. And at different levels, we bring different levels of baggage in, we bring different levels of understanding we're all at different levels of maturity. The big kids help the little kids. And families invite friends and neighbors who aren't over, over who aren't part of the family. I hope we will this next year. But what kind of people are they going to find here? People who are judgmental and angry if somebody blows it? Paul says, i got to talk to you like little kids. You know, like, When are you going to grow up? I mean, just to give you an illustration of this again, how important this is. Some of you have heard me share this before. A woman came in not that long ago to a worship service and she grabbed a bulletin away from one of our ushers and walked in, didn't even say anything. And he went, Wow. He goes, I don't know what her deal is. I wonder why she's so angry. I don't even know, you know why somebody like that would come to church. What's her deal? And I said, Would you like to know? And he goes, I was standing there. And he goes, You know? And I went, Yeah, I buried her husband on Thursday. Oh, yeah. Hey, did you know that there could be people coming to worship on a Sunday morning who lost their job, who lost a spouse, who had a bad diagnosis of something terribly bad? Did you know that there are people who are coming to worship or who are going through a divorce? there are people who are going through worship coming to worship going because they have to face a really difficult move? They're going through hard times right now. There are other people they just got married, they just got a promotion. things are going great. Could it be? That maybe if I come to church, I should expect real people who are different places? And it won't do any good to say, well, if this was a real church, then people wouldn't act like that in the parking lot. People wouldn't just take a bulletin. Unless, of course, their spouse died three days ago, and we're just glad to have them here. Hmm. Let's get to a life application, because this applies to every single one of us. We must apologize, forgive, and help each other. That's what families do. My kids fight. I tell them to apologize. Sorry. Sorry. It's just so heartwarming. I can't tell you. It's unbelievable. (laughs) Make allowance for each other's faults. Forgive anyone who offends you. Remember, the Lord forgave you, so you must forgive others. You all want to be a part of a church like that? That's a real church. Real people does no good to say, hey, I'm disappointed with church people. Church people are ordinary people. Of course we'll have disappointments. That's why we get together, to help each other grow. With God's help, we will. Point C, some people don't believe they're good enough. This is the exact opposite of the last point. Some people believe that church people aren't good enough, and they're all a bunch of hypocrites, or there's too many problems, or whatever it is, and won't give church a chance. Other people believe they're not good enough, and they're filled with shame. They're past things they've done. Well, here's a parable that Jesus told. Hope it'll give you real encouragement if that's you. Two men went to the temple to pray. One was a Pharisee, a very religious person. The other was a despised tax collector, a noted sinner. The Pharisee stood by himself and prayed this prayer. I thank you, God, that I'm not a sinner like everyone else. You already know where this is going. For I don't cheat, I don't sin, I don't commit adultery, and I'm certainly not like that tax collector over there. I fast twice a week, and I give you a tenth of my income. But the tax collector, the notorious sinner, he stood at a distance, and he dared not even lift his eyes to heaven as he prayed. Instead, he beat his chest in sorrow, saying, Oh, God, be merciful to me, for I'm a sinner. I tell you, this sinner, not the Pharisee, returned home justified before God. For those who exalt themselves will be humbled, and those who humble themselves will be exalted. God hates hypocrisy as much as we do. And it's important we remind ourselves, and we must never forget, that we are all saved by God's grace. We are all saved by God's grace. And after the word grace, would you write the words undeserved kindness? Undeserved kindness. Undeserved. We are saved by God's undeserved kindness, all of us. We're all saved by grace. Would you say that phrase with me? We're all saved by grace. One more time. We're all saved by grace. So the church is a family of uh, people helping each other mature who've come to Christ, accepted his gracious gift. And now we're uh, allowing uh, him to speak in and through our lives to help each other grow as a family and guide us along a path that we may not always understand. God saved you by his grace. This is Ephesians 2, 8, 9 saying exactly what we said here. God saved you by his grace, his undeserved kindness when you believed. And you can't take credit for this. It's a gift from God. Salvation is not a reward for the good things we've done, so none of us can boast about it. And that's why it's so repugnant when you see a religious person stand up and go, I thank you that I'm better than everybody else. Well, how should he have prayed the prayer? He should have said, Lord, I thank you that by your grace, I've been able to follow you. And Lord, would you show me how to help other people, like the guy over there in the shadows. Then we got the whole thing. And that's the kind of church God wants us to have. And so we have to be realistic about our expectations. We want sinners to come, because we're a bunch of sinners. But they're not going to be instantly convinced of everything we say, and all the problems that we face and old habits aren't instantly going to all drop off. We're going to help each other do that. God wants us to help each other do that. That's what a church is. It's a family. Brings us to point two. In order to have a fresh start with church, not only do we have have realistic ideas about what church is, we also need to get rid of some excuses. Get rid of some excuses. If I'm going to have a fresh start with church 2016, I'm going to get serious about church, i got to get rid of some excuses. Because these are excuses that work for most of us, for many of us, a lot. First of all, I don't have time. I don't have time for church. I'm busy. I'm too busy. I mean, it's a good idea and all that, but I just don't have time. Sorry. There's a story about this. Same family again, Mary, Martha, and Lazarus. Another event in their lives. This is from Luke 10. As Jesus and his disciples continued on their way to Jerusalem, they came to a certain village where a woman named Martha welcomed them into her home. Sister Mary sat at the Lord's feet listening to what he taught. But Martha was distracted by the big dinner she was preparing. So she came to Jesus and said, Lord, doesn't it seem unfair to you that my sister just sits here while I do all the work? Tell her, come help me. But the Lord said to her, my dear Martha, you're worried and upset over all these details. There's only one thing worth being concerned about. And Mary's discovered it. It will not be taken from her. Now, let me make something very clear here. Martha was trying to do a very good thing. Dinner is a good thing. Okay, can anybody agree with me on that? Dinner is a good thing. I like dinner. You like dinner. Preparing a big dinner for Jesus and his his disciples, well, what could be better than that? I mean, she was a homemaker. She was using her skills and abilities for Jesus. What could be better than preparing Jesus to dinner? How about listening to what he says? She was so busy working for him, she didn't have any time to listen to him. Jesus was standing in her living room. speaking. Mary figured that out and said, oh, this is more important. This is going to make it in the Bible one day. I'm going to sit down, Okay. (laughs) You and I can do the same thing. Do you know some of us, we can be so busy about good things. we got good projects at work, good projects at school, good projects with our family, good projects here, health commitments organizational things and we're busy 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 and we're doing lots of good things and then we go have you had any time to listen to god this week well no no did you make it to worship this week well no how long has it been three weeks four weeks two months and all of a sudden I, i'm not hearing from god anymore why not i don't have time but now we notice we're all balled up in worry and stress and fear and anxiety. It's and... not what God wants for us. If well, I'm going to have a fresh start with church, this is going to have to be a priority. And in the margin, if you just write the word priorities, all Jesus was talking about to Martha was priorities. How many of us have 24 hours a day? Raise your hand if you have 24 hours a day. How many of you have more? You mean we all have the same amount of time? Yeah. Well, then how come some people have time for church? How come some people have time to listen to God every day and other people don't? Priorities. All I'm saying is if I don't have time for my spouse or if I don't have time for God or if I don't have time for whatever it is, that's not a priority to me. That's all I'm saying. And you can argue with it till the cows come home, but it's true. We all only have 24 hours a day. And if there's no time for God, that's a priority problem. And we know it is. If we're going to have a fresh start with church, we're going to have to deal with it. So that excuse won't work. Here's another excuse that won't work. I don't get anything out of it. I go to church, but I don't get anything out of it. Not for me. And I went, I, listened, I didn't get anything out of it. I went like three times last year, and I didn't get anything out of it. Well, first of all, that's not a very big sample. Just to go to worship. Let alone not even going to a small group or anything and not putting the time in. But secondly, we just got the completely wrong emphasis, complete wrong emphasis here. I have a paragraph here from the story about the wise men. And some of you are going, John, that was the last series over Christmas. This is January. You're off by a month. No, I, I know where we are on the calendar. I put this paragraph in here because I want us to compare and contrast our understanding of worship to the understanding of worship and how much time it would take and what I should get out of it type of thing with the wise men. The wise men went on their way. This is from Matthew chapter 2. And, they, and the star they had seen in the east went ahead of them until it stopped over the place where the child was, the baby Jesus. When they saw the star, they were overjoyed. And on coming to the house, they saw the child, baby Jesus, with his mother Mary, and they bowed down and worshipped him. Then they opened their treasures and presented him with gifts of gold and frankincense and of mirth. And you go, John, well, that's nice, but what does that have to do with anything you're talking about? Well, let's compare. When the wise men came to worship Jesus, they traveled hundreds of miles, took them months, they went through all kinds of dangers, even met up with a wicked king, King Herod, uh, who was threatening to kill Jesus, had to deal with him. When they finally found him, they bowed down and worshipped him with great joy, and they offered him costly gifts. Now let's compare that to the way many people think about worship in our culture. Well, it better not take more than an hour and I better not have to park more than 500 feet away and God better explain exactly what's going on in my life and why he's doing things and he better give me all the answers to all the problems I'm facing and I need a blessing right now. So the wise men went a great distance, offered costly gifts and bowed down with joy. We don't even go out if it's raining or if it's too nice, we might need to go golfing. We might find a little time if God explains himself proves that that he exists and everything is going according to a way that we can understand and he gives us gifts. That's the God I want to worship, a God who does what I want when I want it and when I don't want him, he leaves me alone. That's not the wise men and that's not worship. That's called rubbing a lamp and asking for a genie. Give me my wishes or I'm, not gonna, or I'm through with you. And what God wants is he wants our worship. And so it doesn't do anything to say, well, I didn't get anything out of it. Worship isn't for you to get anything out of. Worship is to come and praise God for who he is. And by the way, when we do that, that's when we discover who we are. His kids. Part of his family. And finally, one other excuse that won't fly either. People say that they don't want to be in church, and if they need a fresh start, they're going to have deal with this. I can be a Christian all by myself. John you used to read it up here. You're saved by grace when you believe. You can't take credit for it. It's a free gift. You don't have to earn it. That's true. So therefore, I can become a Christian. I gave my heart to Jesus. Now leave me alone. I don't want to be a part of church. I, I prayed the prayer. I sang just as I am, and now when I die, I don't have to worry about going to hell. That's all I want. Well, so I'm going to be a Christian now. I want to follow God's will in my life. Yes. And so automatically then that means I know in my case how to be a godly father, how to be a godly husband, how to manage my time in a godly way, how to manage my money in a godly way, how to manage my priorities in a godly way, how to have godly relationships. I can keep going how to read the Bible, how to pray, how to do the things God wants in my life. I'm going to know all that automatically. I don't need anybody's help. Well, no. Well, then I can't be a good Christian all by myself. No, I can't. And you can't either. That's silly. We're adopted into the family. You adopt people into a family, the older kids help the younger kids. That's the way it's supposed to work, so we all reach maturity. That's what our staff helps develop people to do, too. Two people can accomplish, this is um, Solomon talking about how important it is not to go alone. Two people can accomplish more than twice as much as one. They get a better return for their labor. If one person falls, the other person can reach out and help. But the people who are alone when they fall are in real trouble. A person standing alone can be attacked and defeated But two can stand back to back and conquer. Three are even better, for a triple-braided cord is not easily broken. So what am I saying? I'm saying we need each other. There is a devil. Peter says he's like a roaring lion looking for souls to devour. Why would I want to be defenseless and say, I can handle that on my own. I don't need any wisdom. I don't need any protection. I don't need any help. That's ridiculous. Church needs to be a priority. All right, so we've covered some excuses. We've covered some misunderstandings. Point three, in order to have a fresh start with church, we need to make some important contributions. Three important contributions. First of all, we need to contribute authentic friendship in a connect group, a small group. Worship service is a part of this. If I could beg you to do anything, it would be to get in a small group where people can pray with you and hold you accountable. And you can hold them accountable. You can encourage each other. This is life-changing. So we can give each other the wisdom we need, the encouragement we need, and look out for each other. But it's going to take authentic friendship where you're just being real. No pretenses, no masks, no hypocrisy. Real friends. Don't be selfish. Don't try to impress others. This is Paul writing in the Philippians telling them to do exactly this. Be humble thinking of others as better than yourselves. Don't look out only for your own interests, but take an interest in others too. That's the atmosphere we want in our connect groups, authentic friendship. Nobody trying to say, Lord, I thank you. I'm not like the other people in my cadet group. (laughs) No. Just authentic friends. Secondly, you and I need to surrender and worship. When we come to a worship service, it's a time of surrender. I surrender my dreams. I surrender my goals. I surrender my life. I resurrender my whole self to God every time I'm in worship. And I give Him praise. Let us offer through Jesus a continual sacrifice of praise. This is Hebrews 13, 15. A sacrifice of praise to God, proclaiming our allegiance in his name. It's the fruit of our lips in some translations. I mean, in Hebrews 13, they're talking about how Jesus paid the sacrifice once and for all when he died on the cross. So we Christians, we don't have to offer animal sacrifices anymore like the Hebrews did in worship. But what kind of sacrifices do we offer? A sacrifice of praise. Something we gladly offer every time we come to worship. Oh, God, I'm so glad I can worship you. I'm so glad we can come together. I mean, it really made my day this last year. A family was coming in last summer and they had kind of gotten tanned and some other things, and their kids were with them, and they were coming in. I go, Do y'all just get back from vacation? And they went, Yeah, we've been in Disney World all week and other things. I go, Well, I'm glad you're here today. They go, No, you don't understand. They had originally planned to stay through Sunday down in Orlando and The kid said, we got to go back because we got to go back to church on Sunday. So he said, Centerpoint beat out Disney World. And for that, I gave each of them a John Schmidt bobblehead doll. And it was really cool. (laughs) It was really neat. Uh, I've run out of those, by the way. But anyway, um, but the whole idea here was, I mean, wouldn't it be great if we were all excited about worship like that? And we were surrendered to God, and the goal wasn't gone, well, there better be something in it for me, and it better be over on time so I can get to the restaurant when I want to get there, and I better have this, and blah, 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 I better like that. What if it was, Lord, I came here today to praise you. And God, I got up early. I marked this on my calendar. I'm going to be at worship every time they have a worship service here. I can't wait for worship. I'm going to go download the outline in advance so I can be praying about it so my heart is more receptive. I mean, David said, I'm not going to present burnt offerings to the Lord my God that have cost me nothing. We come in and we just go, here's nothing, Lord. I'm prepared for this a lick. I don't know what's going on. I just hope the music is something I like. Oh, and by the way, I'll get here 20 minutes late and leave after the last point of the prayer. Because I'm just trying to fit it in. I mean, what are we saying to God. I mean, God, do you matter to me at all? So I'm going to sacrifice to you nothing. I might show up maybe. And when I do, it won't amount to squat. If you and I are going to have a fresh start with church, we need authentic friendships. We need to commit and make, contribute authentic friendships and connect groups, surrender and worship, and finally our spiritual gifts and service. We have a connect card here about getting in a connect group. You can do that and then the folder of your bulletin talks all about places to serve. But the idea is simply this that God has given each of us a spiritual gift so we can help build up the church. Paul said you need to think of us like the church like a body. If the whole body were an eye, well how could you hear anything? If your whole body were an ear, how could you smell anything? If our bodies have many parts and God has put each part just where he wants it, then all of you together are Christ's body and each of you is a part of it. Some of us are the hands and some of the feet and some of the eyes and some of the ears and God works it all together in a wonderful way through the power of his Holy Spirit. He brings us together in such a way that we can, be, we can do things together that we could never accomplish on our own. Look, church is like anything else. I'm going to get out of it what I put into it. If I put in minimal effort, no time, don't plan for it, don't pray about it, why am I expecting to get a lot out of it? If I just want everybody to pretend to be happy and all wear masks, I'm not going to have real relationships. But if I want real relationships, real relationships are messy and they take time. I'm not asking you to commit to pretend church. I'm asking all of us to commit to real church. Family. Family. I need you and you need me and we better help each other and if we follow God's lead that's exactly what we'll do let's pray Lord I thank you for 2016 and a fresh start I think a lot, I think everybody here wants a fresh start in 2016 I also I don't know why they would have come but God we're not going to find it if we don't well if we don't make some serious decisions in our lives and Lord I pray that in 2016 we will not offer excuses There'll be plenty of Sundays where it'll be more convenient to sleep in than go to worship. There'll be plenty of Tuesdays where it's more convenient to stay home than go to a connect group or Wednesday mornings or whenever it is. And so, Father, we can find excuses for not doing the right thing. The devil will ensure that. But Lord, we need each other. We need accountability. And we need prayer. And God, I pray that we'll put on our calendar, we'll mark out times for this. This is a priority discussion. And I pray, Lord, you won't let us sidestep this. It's too important. If the Lord spoke to you about something that you need to make a priority, about some change you need to make in your life in 2016, regarding church, would you say, Lord, I heard you. Give me the strength. I'll do it. Oh well, God, I want you to bring people into the life of our church who have never been a part of it this year. And when they come in, I want them to meet real people who care for each other and follow your will even when we don't understand you. People who forgive each other and recognize that when we blow it, we're all, you're working on all of us at the same time. Pray these things in the name of Jesus.